I need some help handing out a couple things in the back. Um, Aaron, would you help? And Bob, would you help him too? On that little metal, grab the metal bucket. There's some pins in there and there's some handouts there. If we can disseminate those to everyone. You like that word disseminate? I saw it on a word of the day somewhere. We don't usually do handouts uh, on, on Sundays, but we're going to kind of be using them for the next several weeks as we unpack um, our mission and why it matters. We're looking at a series called For the King and His Kingdom, Our Mission and Why It Matters. You're going to get part one. They've got pins for you. Feel free to keep these pins. Personalized King's Church. Somebody donated a box of like 3,000 of these to us and put our name on them, so we're thrilled about that. So it's like raining pins everywhere, raining down. I know that didn't make you feel very special. I should have told you that we had a limited edition of these and <laughs> it came at a great cost, great cost to us. Oh yeah, let me hit some announcements also, by the way. Let me hit these. Um, a couple things coming up that we want to make sure that you are, you are fully aware of. First of all, if you're here, thanks for joining us. We try to get in your hands a worship, a, a worship guide, a little two-page thing, as well as a small Get Connected card. Um, if you don't have one of those, would you raise your hand and we'll put one in your hand. Or if you need one, King's Family, if you need one for an address change, would you raise your hand up and we'll get you a, a connection card? Anybody need one? Nobody at all? Okay. All right. You can also go to kingschurch.net slash connect. Those of you that are joining us on our, on our live stream, we're thrilled to, to have you guys with us also uh, online. Uh, let us know a little bit about yourself. If, you, if you're a guest with us, we do have a gift for you for coming and, and, and um and, and, and joining with us, so you have the gifts after? The gifts, you already did? You're already on it? The guest gifts. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> we'll find you with a, with a gift. We'll hunt you down and give that to you. Um, that's it. So um, we're also kicking off our midweek groups this Wednesday from 6 to 8. We've had a hiatus because of COVID in the summer. We're going to be resuming those, our prayer room. We'll be open. Um, we'll have guided, staffed prayer, so to speak, sort of just a time of intercession with some guided prayer during that time. Our prayer room is at the far end of the building this way. We'll have some signs up when you get here. Um, we'll also have our youth group is going to be meeting 6 to 8. We'll have some children's, children's activities during that time as well. And also our adult Bible study is called Surfing the Book, uh, an overview, sort of a crash course on the whole message of the Bible. What does it mean? How do we really study it? What is God really saying through this book? Uh, Sharon Chatfield is going to be teaching that down here in one of these rooms. Uh, we want you to sign up for that so that we can get you material. There's no cost for it, um, although there's some material involved. We want to make sure we have enough of those. If you will sign up at the back, there's a, a sign-up sheet on the back table after the service, or if you just want to do it right now, go to our website, kingschurch.net slash groups, and if you click on that first graphic, it says equipping classes. That'll take you to a, a form where you can sign up for those as well. So we need, we need all, all those names in today so that we can plan accordingly for that. That begins this Wednesday, 6 to 8, right here on campus. Um, also, giving. Thanks for, 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 your, for your faithful giving. This has been a wild month. It's been an incredible month of just seeing God's, God's provision during time of, of drought. We had, to, we, we had to pay out a lot of money in the last two months for some unforeseen, unforeseen expenses, and we were really facing a season of uncertainty. We put the challenge before the church. 
uh, and you, the church, you, the church family, stepped up and committed. You committed to be faithful stewards. You committed to be biblical tithers. We're seeing it. We're so thankful for that. Um, in addition, there was an unexpected, uh, unexpected gift that came in this last week, uh, over $14,000 that came in for a single gift. We were astonished. We were blown away by that. So we ended the month. We ended the month of August with, uh, with nearly $28,000 in our, in our bank account. And that's, that's amazing considering where we've come from. God's been faithful. God has been faithful. So our commitment is still to steward well. We still are in lean times. You know, we're going we're gonna to prayerfully uh, assign every dollar for kingdom purposes. But uh, continue to give. Remember what I, we say this. Don't give because we need it. Give because you need to be a giver. That's who God is. God's a giver. And he wants you to be like him, and he wants to bless you. He wants to show favor to you. And you can, he, when you put yourself in a position of trusting him with your first fruits, then God says, I can bless, I can, I can show provision to them. So that's what we want for you and your family. We want you to be blessed and to prosper uh, and to have favor from the Lord. So you can give in three ways. You can give online at kingschurch.net slash give. You can sign up electronically to do even recurring gifts. Uh, you can text any amount without the dollar sign. Uh, leave off the dollar sign, text 859-203-1708, or there's a convenient box right there on that back table, so you can just drop something in there as well as any connection cards. <sighs> I think that's it. Anything else I've forgotten? Men's group, King's Men, this Friday. It was a great time, a great time. Bob's leading that. We, we, we kicked it off on, on this last Friday, and it was, it was really good, really powerful. We want y'all uh, for, for that every Friday at 7.30. And Embrace then kicks off, not this Friday, but the following on the 19th, I believe. 18th, something. Okay. All right, everybody have a, uh, everybody have a little for, a, 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 a note-taking guide for today. Anybody need one? Raise your hand if you did not get one. All right, I think everyone's got one. Good. And a pen. If you need a pen, then they're in the back over there. For the king and his kingdom, this is a, 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 we're going to be unpacking our mission and why it matters. We've added in some new faces in the last several weeks and months, and we want to, I've sensed, we've sensed uh, during the uncertainty of COVID, um, a lot of churches are under pressure, a lot of churches are under strain, and we've sensed God is saying, get back to your mission. Get back to why I've called you, King's Church, into existence. Now, to be fair, I don't think we've drifted too far off but we've been very distracted during 2020. We've been just like putting out fires and dealing with the crisis of where we've been in. And, and, and mentally, at least some of us, myself, I feel like we've lost focus of what God's called us to do. So we've sensed for a while God saying, return, reinforce who you are as a church. And we're, so we're just going to unpack this, our mission and why it matters. We do have a mission statement. I'm wondering how many of us could say it if it were not up here. Oh, it's up here now. <laughs> Leave it up here. We'll say it together. I won't quiz you on that. Can we say this together, though? What's wrong with me? Is it? There you go. Come on. My stylist. That's right. Exactly. Where would I be without Anthony? Do I have any, any drool on my mouth or anything? Is my lapel turned down? Good stuff. Let's, let's say this together. This is our mission. We exist to honor Jesus Christ the King and to expand his community in our community and around the world. This is why we, God has placed us here. We, that's our long version. We got a short version. Anybody know what it is? For the king and his kingdom. You bet. And that's also on the sign. If you go out in the atrium and turn around, that big sign over there, and we just kind of push this everywhere. Sometimes I'll sign an email. 
you know, for the king and his kingdom, Brad, this is it. But that's, that's a summary of this thing, of this statement right here. We exist to honor Jesus Christ the king and to expand his kingdom in our community and around the world. So we have one mission. We endeavor to carry that mission out, though, in three distinct ways. We realize that we can't be everything to everyone. And I'll tell you that right now. We may or may not be the church for you. I know you're not supposed to say that. You're supposed to think, oh, we, you know, we're the church for everyone. We may not be. You know, we, we can't do every program. We can't have every, every you know, uh, every, we, can't, we can't be doing everything or be about everything. We have a very, very clear mission that we believe God's, God's given us to do. One mission carried out in three ways. We, first of all, we're called to be a worshiping family. A worshiping family. And I hope you've experienced a little bit of that this morning. We want to come together. We want to, and we're going to be unpacking that part one here this morning. So I won't get too ahead of myself. Um, worshiping family, in other words, we are all about community. I want to give you three C's to help reinforce our, 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 our threefold mission. We're to be a worshiping family. That means we're all about community, true community. And by community, I don't necessarily mean the greater Lexington area community. I just mean this, this sense of community that we have right here that we're trying to nurture and foster. Um, we're, also, we're also called to be a house of prayer, a house of prayer. And we'll unpack that in the weeks to come. House of prayer means we are all about communion. We're all about communion. And by communion, I don't mean the sacrament of communion, although it's important. I mean just intimacy, connection, being connected with the living God of the universe. And a house of prayer facilitates that calling that we have to be in communion with God. Finally, we're called to be an apostolic mission. Apostolic mission. Apostolic means someone who is sent out, someone who goes out with authority to advance the kingdom. And we believe that our church is called uh, to, to have an apostolic mission where we send people out with supernatural power, you to do that. We want to train everyone to do that. Every single one of you has the authority and the power of the kingdom inside of you. If you're a believer, if you're walking with the Lord, you have that inside of you. And God's saying, I want you, daughter, I want you, son, to release that and to, be, to, to, be, to, to have an apostolic mission in the world. That is all about commission. That's all about commission. So we've got a threefold, we've got one mission we carry it out in three ways. We carry it out in community, we carry it out in communion, and we carry it out in commission. A worshiping family, a house of prayer, and an apostolic mission. Now, some of these, you're, you're wondering, you know what, I've, I've been here for a while, and I've not seen some of those. That's, that's, that's a fair statement. One of the things we mentioned several weeks ago is that we are, we're a, a very young church. We're a little under two years old, so we're like a toddler sort of church. Toddlers can only do so many things where they are. They're learning how to walk, learning how to run, learning how to tie their shoes, you know, learning how to get along and play well with the other. And they're learning who they are. They're, you know, we're, 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 in one sense, we're kind of in that late toddler phase where we're learning to do some of the basic things of what, what, of what we've called to do. And we focused intentionally in the first year on this idea of building a family. And if you've got, whoever has one of our shirts on, the blue shirts, we've got them for sale in the back. Um, a lot of our volunteers will wear them. And it says, this is family. And we have spent the last year trying, not perfectly, but trying to cultivate this idea. So we put a lot of money and a lot of emphasis into, uh, let's have meals together. You know, before COVID, we were having a meal 
Those of you that are new, you're missing out. I'm so, uh, I can't wait to, for this all to be lifted because we should be having today, we should be having family feasts. This is the first Sunday of the month. We should be having it today. And I can't wait for us to resume that because that helps cultivate this idea that we are a family. We love one another. We're open with one another. We're transparent. We're vulnerable. Sometimes we fight like family. You know, sometimes we annoy each other like family. Sometimes we have to go to one another and say, listen, I'm really sorry. Will you forgive me? And I'm forgiving you. And that's part of it. It's part of true community. We want to cultivate true community, even though it hurts, even though it's difficult, even though we make mistakes, even though we wound other people and we are wounded in return. We don't feel that there's anything else that God wants for us apart from true community. So we've, for the first year, we've said, Lord, help us grow as a family. Help us build that. Not just any family, but as a worshiping family. So because of that, you know, some of the things like the apostolic mission, we've not, we've not developed that a whole lot. We've done some training um, for that, and we're going to do more of that training here in the next several months as we unpack this series. We're going to have some, some off-ramps, so to speak, to develop these. Um, but we feel that you know, as we grow as a family, we can sort of begin to lay a foundation of these other things on top of that. You know, so don't, don't look at our church and say, you know, man, I don't, I don't see a whole lot of apostolic mission happening. I don't see a whole lot of you know, house of prayer stuff going on. We're getting there. We're building it. We're adapting to the, to the, to the shifting challenges of the times. You know, but this is still at our DNA of who we are and what we're called to be. So um, let's jump into part one. We're going to look at this, this sort of first aspect of our mission, what it means to be a worshiping family. We call this part one a mandate for mission. A mandate for mission. There are, if, if, you've, if you've been at different kind of churches, and we're all from different backgrounds, you know, um, you know that there's different kind of churches. Some churches are centered around a very rich tradition. Anybody here from a Catholic background? Several of you, okay, several of you from a Catholic, you know that the Catholics have a rich, a rich religious tradition. I mean, it's like going, obviously, back to the very, they would say, this is the, this is the church, <laughs> the main one, the only one, right? It goes, and just century after century after century of just this rich tradition of liturgy and practice and spirit and just, you know, spirits. Um, we're, we're not that. We don't have a real rich tradition, so to speak, that we're, that we're standing in. We're not Episcopalian or Lutheran or any of those kind of things. Some churches are, uh, they are focused on outreach and social ministry. It's common to see these kind of churches in, um, like in urban areas, you know, where they, 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 they're, a lot of their DNA revolves around how do we serve the poor in our community? How do we, how do we out, do outreach um, and those kind of things? Um, some churches gravitate, you know, they gravitate around a high-profile speaker. I think of churches like Lakewood Church in Houston, Pastor Joel Osteen, and how, you know, a lot of that church's culture and DNA um, kind of revolves around his own speaking and teaching ministry. You don't have a high-profile speaker or pastor here. It's good. That's right. I'm on TV right now. Some churches provide lots of strong programs, lots of activities, lots of programs, you know, uh, uh, upward, upward, ba- upward Basketball or Awana or, you know, Celebrate Recovery and lots of Sunday school classes and, you know, let's do this VBS camp and let's do this retreat and all, you know, there's churches that, that that's sort of part of their DNA is we have, 
lots of things to meet the needs of lots of people. And that's good. Those things do incredible things. You know, th those programs are amazing, and I'm thankful for the, the impact they've had in, in my, my life and my family. Um, some churches, and we're not one of those, by the way. We don't have a lot of, a lot of programs. Some churches, uh, there are churches that create an incredible experience. A lot of, a lot of the, the sort of the culture of their church is this weekend worship experience. Uh, I think of churches like, El, uh, like Elevation Church. Um, what's his name? Help me out, Emma. Stephen Furtick. Stephen Furtick, yeah, right. You know, just incredible. Bethel would be this way. This, this incredible, incredible just weekend experience. Um, teaching and music and just being there. Um, and a number of years ago, this is actually a, lot, a long time ago when I was in high school, there's a book that came out called The Purpose Driven Church. Rick Warren wrote it. This was actually a precursor to his book, The Purpose Driven Life. But he wrote a book called The Purpose Driven Church. And it begins to unpack what he called the five purposes of, 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 of any church, any biblical church. Worship, evangelism, fellowship, discipleship, and ministry. And that was a groundbreaking book back in the day. It just like every pastor you know, in America was like, oh, this is it. That's what I've been looking for. It's the framework. You know, we're going we're gonna to create a committee with five different people. We're going to have a worship committee and a fellowship committee and this committee and this committee. You know, we're going to restructure a whole church that way. It's really good, you know, and you know, Warren's thinking of that helped bring some things back into focus that I think the church had neglected. And even in 2000, whenever he unpacked his book, The Purpose Driven Life, it was very similar. You know, we're made for certain things. We're made for those five things. But, so, that's good. We build on that foundation. But I want to tell you that as King's Church, we are, we are not so much a purpose-driven church as we are a presence-driven church. What I mean by that is, is that our, what drives us more than anything else is, is the presence of God here? Are we encountering God are we doing what he says to do? Are we being transformed by that? So our, our primary purpose, more than anything else, is to host the Holy Spirit of God. If we do that and nothing else, we consider ourselves to be accomplishing our mission. Having said that, are there other things that God wants us to do? Yes, but we believe that they are the overflow, and I'm going to get into this a little bit later, those are the overflow of that one idea. If we are hosting the presence of God in our, in our church family, in our worship services, of course, in our small groups, in our children, in our, if, our, if our mindset is, God, we want to host the presence of God. We want you to dwell here and be manifest here. We believe that, that is, that's first and foremost what we're called to do. We are a worshiping family that hosts the Holy Spirit of God. You can see this on our expanded mission statement on our website. We're a worshiping family that hosts the Holy Spirit of God. So I want to unpack those two words um, this week and, 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 and next week as well. What does that mean to be a worshiping family? What does it mean to, to, to worship? What do, we, what do we mean by that? How do we know if we are a worshiping family? Is it just because we have music here? You know, are we worshiping if 70% of us have our hands up in the air? Oh, that was a great worship service. Did you see how many people had their hands up? You know, is it a matter of decibels? Oh, it's an incredible. Did you hear how, how loud that was, how great the band sounded? You know, is it a matter of attendance? Is it, is it incredible worship if, if every pew is full and more people are coming? What do we mean when we say we want to be a worshiping family? Let me tell you what we don't mean. First of all, 
we don't mean that we don't mean worship as a segment of a church service and in america we can kind of fall into that you know we have the worship and then we have the teaching we're gonna we're gonna sort of delineate i'm pulling off my stuff here falling apart guys i better stay seated i'm gonna start um we're we're gonna we're gonna sort of separate and say hey this is the worship time worship starts at 10 o'clock and then worship is done by 10.45, and then the teaching starts. Now, I know what we mean by that. Obviously, we all know that there's, there's times of our service where we do corporately come together for singing. But what, when we say we're a worshiping church, we just don't mean that. Um, worship is not religious habits or duties. Those of you that are, that, are, that are from Catholic traditions, you'll know the term genuflecting. Maybe you don't know that term, but you'll, you'll know that sort of whenever you come into, come into certain Catholic um, environments, you, you sort of bend, is, is that right? Kind of bend that knee down and, and you kind of kneel and then you make your way on in. You know, some people would say that's, that's, that's an act of worship. And it can be if it comes from the heart. But just by its very nature, when we say worship, we don't just mean singing, lifting up our hands, genuflecting, whatever that is. Um. What we don't mean also, worship is not an emotional experience. That's not what we're after. We're not going for the, 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 the sort of that feeling that washes over us. of Oh, it just feels so amazing. I just had these chills go over my body when my favorite song came on. That's all good and all, but that's not what we mean. We're not going after that. So let me just jump into seven attributes of biblical worship when we say we want to be a, a worshiping family here's some things that we mean we're going to un, unpack these a little bit it's got some verses i want to try to try to get them up on the screen but if you have your bibles um you can have those out and we're, we're we're a little bit all over the all over the place all right you guys with me first and foremost number one worship is a response to who god is and what he's done that's our, that's our working definition. Worship is a response to who God is and what He's done. 1 Kings 18.39, this is a story of Elijah on Mount Carmel. Remember the prophets of Baal and he calls down fire? That's the coolest story, you know? Prophets of Baal are there and Elijah is, is you know, he basically called them. He said, look, let's, let's have a contest Either your God or my, one of them's going to win, y'all. Let's, let's just have a, con, let's just settle this thing once and forever. You pray to your gods, I'll pray to my God. You have your, your thing on the, your, on the altar, I'll have mine. And whoever's God sends fire on the altar, then we'll just assume that's the right God. That's the true one. And all the prophets of Baal say, okay, that's a great idea. So they go and they, you know, and, and, and Elijah stacks the deck against God. Elijah takes water and pours it over. You ever tried to light wet wood? Doesn't, doesn't work. And Elijah's like, I'm going to make this really easy for you guys. Pours water on us. Knows what's going to happen. And the prophets of Baal just go and they spend all day long crying out to Baal. They cut themselves. They plead. They beg. And Elijah's taunting them the whole time. Hey guys, pray need to pray louder. Maybe he's asleep. Maybe he's in the bathroom. Teasing them the whole time. And they're just getting mad. And they're just, Ugh. Finally they give up and Elijah just prays. And the fire from heaven falls down. Consumes it. And verse 18, chapter 18, verse 39 says, when all the people saw this, they fell prostrate. We're going to look at this later. In other words, they worshiped and cried, the Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. It's a response to who God is and what He's done. 
Same thing happened with Jesus in his Gospels, Matthew 14. You know, he walks on the water. We say that so flippantly. Like, oh yeah, Jesus walks on the water. He's walking on the water. He's defying the law of physics. Right? He's doing this incredible thing. And it says this, those in the boat worshipped him saying, truly you are the Son of God, Jesus. There's something you... Jesus, you, you are certainly something else. It's a response to who God is and what he's done. I want to say this. If we have a hard time worshiping, if we have a hard time finding a posture of worship in our hearts, maybe, maybe it's because we need to encounter in a greater way who God is and what he's done. If you find that worship is just ritual for you, if it's just dry, and empty and boring and it's been that way for a long time maybe you've never known how to worship and it just feels like it's so artificial it feels like i'm just i'm just saying words i don't really mean any of this i'm just saying stuff i want to challenge you you need to encounter the living god because once you see who god is face to face like these once you see what he's done then you're i promise you you're going to begin to discover oh my what is this that I'm encountering? It's like that old, the, the movie from the 90s, Jurassic Park, the original Jurassic Park. Not the new ones, the original one, you know, with Sam Neill playing, a, playing the paleontologist, whatever his name is, Dr. Dr. Dinosaur, call him that. I'm sure he has a name in the movie. Dr. Dinosaur, he studied dinosaurs all his life. He's got a PhD in these things. He's read everything about it. He's looked at all the bones. You know the movie? He ends up going to this particular island where somehow dinosaurs have been brought to life. And in one particular scene, Dr. Dinosaur is driving along and he comes face to face with Tyrannosaurus Rex. All of a sudden, all of his book learning disappears and he sinks down, sinks down to his knees. I think sometimes we need to come face to face with who God is. Worship is a response to who God is and to what he's done. Let me tell you where you can begin. Begin by going here and recounting this. This is a record of who he is and what he's done. You want to encourage your faith? You want to begin to worship? Go back and begin to read the exploits and think this through. Think this through, not as a, just a fable. Think it through as an actual historical account. Think that through, what it's like to stand next to, next to Elijah on Mount Carmel and to see the fire of God falling down and consuming your, your, your offering. Allow the Spirit of God to stir up in you worship. Worship is a response to who God is and what He's done. Let's keep on going. Number two, worship is the primary activity of creation. The primary activity of creation. Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Often my kids will come inside. We're down in Jessamine County. Our kids will come running inside. Mom and Dad, Mom and Dad, come outside. It's a Kentucky light. We go outside and it's often like five, six, seven o'clock at night and we're look out looking toward the west where the sun is coming down and the whole sky is ablaze. It's all ablaze with color and light and it's just saturated, beautiful. Psalm 19, the heavens, Psalm 19, 1, the heavens declare the glory of God. Packs, everybody giving, everything giving praise to God. This thing and 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 this thing. All of this just echoing praise to God. Revelation 4, 8 describes it as well. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they, the living creatures, 
This is us. We're, we're, we're living creatures too. So this is an example of what we're called to do. Day and night, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is, it is to come. God has created the world to respond to him. And it is, and it will be. It's the primary activity of creation. We were made for this. Which brings us to number three. Worship is the first purpose of the church. It's the first purpose of the church. This is probably where I part ways a little bit with, with, with Rick Warren on that book. He would describe all five of those as sort of being these, these equal things, equal, you know, equal uh, purposes of the church. I want to say I, I think that the primary purpose, the foundation of it all is worship. This is what we're called to do first and foremost. We are not called to be an evangelistic church first. And I've been in churches where that's, our, that's the driving drumbeat. We don't exist for ourselves. We exist for the lost. We're about evangelism. Get out there and evangelize. And that's all good. We should. We should evangelize. You know, we do want to serve the lost, but that's not why we exist. We don't exist for you. We don't exist for me. We don't exist for them. Who do we exist for? Him. He is the reason that he has created his church. Our primary role is to host his presence and to bring him worship. Deuteronomy 6.5, Jesus talks about this. He, he references Deuteronomy 6.5. The first, and of the first, the greatest commandment of all is what? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your strength, all of your mind. That's worship. Worship is loving God with everything that we are. And even, all, even going back to Deuteronomy that Jesus was referencing, God was telling his people, telling his people way back, your first calling is to love me. Revelation 2, at the end of the book, go on to the end, Jesus is giving report cards. You guys remember, remember when report cards came out? Man, I, I, I found mine. I still have mine from like first and second grade, you know, and this was back in the day where they weren't printed out. These were the old school where they had to write in there with pencil and they slid it in that little envelope thing and you had to take it home and get it signed and just, oh, you know, you didn't have the, you didn't have the, 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 the soft language of today. You know, today's like, oh, they're excellent. Oh, they're getting there. Oh, they could try a little bit harder. You know, no, my day it was like, F, <laughs> like your kid needs to really get it together, Mr. Easley, because they're not going to make it, you know? And this, like in, in Revelation 2, the, Jesus is giving a report card to some of these churches, the seven churches of Asia Minor, modern day Turkey, he's giving them these, these, these report cards. He's telling them some things that they've done, some things they've done well, some things they've not done well. And he writes this to one of the churches. He says several things, but he says, he says, you have persevered and endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. That's good, first of all. We want to persevere. We want to endure hardships. So much of the, of the, the, of the New Testament is all about that. Blessed is he who endures to the end, you know. Endurance, perseverance produces, and he talks about all those things. And Jesus says, you're doing this incredible. You're pushing in. You're sticking to it. You're not getting off. You're, 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 you're holding fast to my name. But he says this, yet I hold this against you. I don't like those words. I don't want Jesus to hold anything against us. I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. And I can see him saying this 
to sell. Community church, you've done so well. You know, you've, you've, you've brought, you have, a, you have a, a, a food pantry open. You have a soup kitchen open. You know, you're, you're, you're out there at the abortion clinic. You're going to the prisons. You know, you've got Awana. You've got uh, this, you know, high school thing. You're doing these retreats. You've got these incredible conferences there. You know, you're, you're, you're winning people to the Lord, but, I, but, but you're for, you've forgotten how to love me. You've forgotten how to worship me. My heart grieves because my heart feels that that's going to be the report card for many of our churches when that time comes. All these good things that we've done, but we've forgotten the first, the first is to love God, to worship Him. It is the first purpose of the church. It is our first purpose at Lakewood. Not Lakewood, wherever we are. <laughs> Starting to think like I'm Joel Osteen. No, please don't. That's right. We can rewind that there. Lakewood. I used to pastor a church called Lakewood. No connection. That's right. Where am I again? Uh, King's Church. Number four. Worship is the fuel for everything else we do. Worship is the fuel for everything else we do. We love says 1 John 4, 19, because he first loved us. How do I love you? Because he loved me. Some of you are very lovable. Some of you not so much. I'm not very lovable. How do you love me? Because he first loved you. There you, go. Freely, you have freely you have received, says Matthew, or says Jesus in Matthew 10, 8, freely you have received. In other words, you have been the recipients first. Now, freely give. You have received my grace and my favor and my love. Now, as an overflow of that, do ministry. We're all about evangelism here. We're all about ministering to the poor. We're all about serving one another. We're all about doing these things, but all of this is an overflow of our worship life before God. The deeper we go and worship with him, the more it drives us out. Paul talks about that. Paul says that the love of Christ compels us. It drives us. We can't help it. The more that you are in the presence of God, the more that you hear his heart beating, the more that you hear what, is, what he longs to do in the world, the more that you say, I want to be a part of that too, Jesus. The more that I worship you, the more that I want to, 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 to go out and to do these other things. The more that we worship, the more that we, we want to be a house of prayer. The more that we want to be on an apostolic mission. Because we're encountering, we're hosting the living presence of God and it's changing us every time we do it. It's a fuel for everything else we do. You cannot experience God fully and not want to share that experience. You guys ever been on like awesome roller coaster rides? You know, it's like, what's the first thing? You're like, oh, let's go do it again. Come on, Emma, let's go ride this one. Let's, you know, you want to tell other people about it. You can't really fully experience God and not want to share it. It's the fuel for everything else we do. Number five, worship involves the whole being. The whole being. Psalm 95, oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our maker. The biblical model for worship, there's not a single lone, standalone model for it. 
If you look up what worship means in, 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 in the Word, it involves several things. It involves this. Hands lifted up. This is worship. It involves this. <laughs> Clapping. It involves this. Kneeling. It involves this. It involves music. Playing things. All of those things. More often than not, worship is somehow expressive in the body. Very rarely is worship ever just referred to as like this just internal, quiet, reflective idea. The ancient people, God's, God, God's people never really thought of worship. Worship was always involving the whole body. You know, so let me, let me just put a couple things out there. Does that mean that you're not truly worshiping if you're not being physically expressive? No. Clearly that's not what I'm saying, nor is the word saying that. But worship is meant to involve our entire being, our entire person. And let me just, uh, on, a, on a personal story, 20 years ago, Meg and I, we met at Asbury. I was attending, we were attending a church down there in the college town. It was a great church, lively worship, you know, full of the presence of God. And Meg has always been, excuse me, Meg has always been an, an, an expressive worshiper. She is today, you know, hands up, you know, moving around. I, at that point in my life, was not. I would be, most of the time, like this. And if you were to look at me, you would think, okay, there's something wrong with him. He's bored. He's mad. Whatever's going on. And it wasn't that way in my heart, really. I, I wasn't, I was really tuned in. I was focusing on the words. I would sing them. But it was like this. And I just did, never felt comfortable doing this. I would maybe do the Baptist hand up like that. I would never get outright charismatic with both hands. You know, and I certainly would never dance or move around or all that stuff it just felt it felt uncomfortable you know and something began to change over the next several years where I don't know what it is I just began to to, to just to go deeper into the love of God and in worship I just began to feel this bubbling up like energy this energy that was just coming up from the love of God. And I just began to like, I would, I would find my, over the years, I would find myself with a hand up or both hands up, you know? And even in the last several years, I was never, I would never make noise, you know, apart from singing. I would never shout out like some of you do. But even in the last three or four years, I find myself doing that. Like, what in the world? Why am I doing that? You know, part of it is the culture. Part of it is we're creating a culture here where it's okay to do that where you're not going to be weird if you lift your hands up. You're not going to be weird if you shout out, Thank you, Lord! Sometimes you'll look, you know, they'll look at you like, Okay, you, sir, you need to step down. <laughs> this is not that place. You know, three weeks ago, Andrea, before they moved away, she just was like dancing up here, and then she gets up and she just does a cartwheel across the stage. <laughs> I was like, Okay, you know her. That's not performance. That's not show. That's just this inside fire that has to come alive and express itself and however that looks for you i think that's a biblical model what is god calling you to do to express your response to god i'm betting if you're like me maybe god wants to unbridle you a little bit more hey no shame either way it's okay 
Your worship may not look like my worship. And no one's going to look down on you if you sit down and if you never lift up a hand. It's not what it's about. But I promise you, the day will come when you see Jesus face to face. And you won't be doing this. You'll be on the ground wishing you could crawl underneath the carpet. And you won't even speak. You won't even begin to say anything. So I just want us to go deeper in, deeper in with all of ourselves, all of our mind, all of our heart, all of our emotions, all of our senses, all of our bodies, just saying, Lord, all of it is a response to you. So, responding to God. Number six, worship fulfills our very reason for existence. We were made for this. You wonder why you're made? You're not made just to be an animal who procreates and lives your life and then dies and becomes worm food in the ground. It's not why you were made. I know it's very graphic. That's right. You were made to worship God. Bring my sons from afar, says Isaiah 43, and my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory. Why did God create them? For his glory. Who are we? We're created in God's image to give glory to God. We're made for that. It's in our, I use the word DNA a lot. I don't know why it keeps coming back to me. I think we have spiritual, we have physical DNA. I think we have spiritual DNA as well. It's in our spiritual, we were made for this. You know, it's like if I had a $250,000 Ferrari, I've never been in one, I've seen one, but you can imagine they're pretty incredible cars. They're probably not made to go 10 miles an hour on these little neighborhood streets. What are they made to do? They're made to get it on the open and just unleash all thousand horsepower of their engine going 200 miles an hour. That's what we're made for. We're made for worship. Worthy are you, O Lord our God, to receive honor, glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. We're made by God. We're made by God for purposes. So it fulfills our very reason for existence. Here's the cool thing, is that when you find your purpose in life, and you begin to live that purpose out, guess how fulfilling it's going to be? It's going to be awesome. You ever tried to use a tool for the wrong purpose? It's kind of frustrating. But you find the tool, and it's being used for its purpose, and like, ah, this is why. When you discover what God's purpose is for you, and you begin to walk in alignment with that, things are going to be, you're going to begin to say, this is what I've been missing all along. It's beautiful why we've been made. Fulfills our very reason for existence. Finally, well, number seven, worship is both personal and in community. It's both personal and in community. You were created for community. You were made for one another. You're made to be in a family. And the last six months have really tested that feeling for many of us. Many of you that are still not with us online. It's tested that. We feel ourselves shriveling up. We feel ourselves just becoming so lonely and insulated and insecure, wondering, is this ever going to end? Feeling desperate to get out because we're made for one another. We're made for community. We're made to worship together in community. We're made for personal worship. In other words, God wants you in the quiet place of your own life, in your own bedroom or kitchen or workspace or car or, or dorm or whatever that is. God wants to encounter you there personally 
and teach you how to worship. Some of my most incredible worship times have been when I've been all alone, where God has just met me in an incredible, he's put a song, he puts a song in my head, I begin to sing it out. You know, he just begins to minister to me, and it's just me and the Lord and no one else around. You know, I remember just driving. I was driving to Lancaster one time on an errand or something. I was listening to, listening to, I don't know, some some song, maybe the blessing, that new one that was out. I ended up playing it like five times. I but I'm just bawling by the end of it. Just the presence of God is so close to me, and I'm just sobbing the whole way, just thinking about how good the Lord is, how good he is to, how good he's been to my family, how good he's been to generations back, and I believe he's going to be good generations ahead, and just encountering the Lord in this personal way. That's what God wants for you, too. He doesn't want you just to come here, and your only encounter with God in the week is on Sunday morning. That's not good. He wants you to have encounters throughout the week as well. And maybe you need to make some margin in your life. If you're not, in, get away for a little bit. Go for a walk, go for a hike, go for a drive. Go in your bathroom and lock the door. Put a towel so the kids can't scream at you. Just a few minutes and say, Lord, you're here. I want to encounter you. I want to worship you. And just ask him to meet you personally. I believe he'll begin to do it. We're also meant to do it in community because there's something about the community aspect of worship. You guys build my faith up. I come in in a funk sometimes, Right? It's been, it's been a hard morning getting the kids in the car. I'm just distracted, this, 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 whatever else. Didn't get enough coffee. I come here and I'm in a funk. But you guys, you're tuned into the presence of God. You're worshiping and guess what it does to me? It lifts my heart up. It lifts my heart up and I just, I begin to, I begin to share of what you guys have already been sowing in for that morning. That's what we're meant to do. And then you're going to have times where you feel in a funk. You know, I'm going to be able to lift you up. That's we're made for one another. We're made for corporate worship. We're made to do this. We're not going to give this up. So worship is both personal and in community. Both are, both are necessary. Um, Ephesians 2.19 says, You are no longer foreigners and strangers. No longer means we were before. We were strangers to the faith. Can you guys remember that? Do you remember what that was like before you found the love and the light of Christ? I love hearing stories about this. I was watching a YouTube, and I just randomly saw it. Somebody shared it. Maybe one of you shared about this young girl, 20-something. You know, she was in the New Age movement for a long time, and she just had this supernatural encounter with the Lord. Jesus revealed herself to her. She's like, you know, meditation and spirit guides and all that stuff, and just she begins to encounter the risen Christ in supernatural ways and it wrecks her world i love that no longer no longer strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens with god's people and members of this his household. you know what you call a member of a household family here's the crazy thing according to this your spiritual family is deeper and more real than your biological family. No offense, my kids, wherever you are. God has made us for family, for real family. And you're part of it. You're part of God's family. You have brothers and sisters. I love the story from Antoine Fisher, a movie that came out about 15 years ago. It describes the story of a young man, Antoine Fisher. True story. Young African American family from a, or a young African American man from a young, 
are from a very troubled background. His dad abandoned him. His mom was on drugs. You know, he was in and out of in and out of jail throughout his life. Finally, at age 18, he had a terrible anger problem. He ends up joining the Navy. Anger problem doesn't go away. Gets into fights all the time. He's sent to a counselor there in the Navy, played by Denzel Washington. Denzel begins to help him unpack, helps young Antoine unpack some of the pain from his past. And one of the things that emerges is, is this, these, these wounds from his father and his mother. Doesn't know what's happened to him. And the counselor says, you know, Antoine, you need to deal with this. You need to find and forgive. Find your mom and forgive her for abandoning you. So somehow he tracks down an address there in the, in the, in the projects of wherever, Cleveland maybe. Gets in the car and he goes and he visits his mother there. Has a mom is still a mess. Living in squalor, high on drugs. Goes in. His mom just looks at him, doesn't even say a word. She goes to the back living room and sits down. He follows her in there. She doesn't say anything to him. And he begins to ask her questions. Mom, why? Why did you leave me? Why did you abandon me? The mom can't say anything. She just sits there. Tears roll down her face. And Antoine leaves that apartment just broken. Doesn't feel any, any, any more healing than he, than, he, than he wants. Let's go for a drive. And they go for a drive and they make their way to another part of town. And this time they're going back to the uncle's house. I want you to watch this scene if you can find it on Netflix. Go back to the house, the uncle's house, and they get out of the car. Goes up to the house and there on the house are four or five young kids with signs, welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home, Antoine. Makes her way up the stairs. And one by one, they begin to introduce themselves. Hey, this is your cousin, Antoine. Open the door, and inside are dozens of people. Oh, that's your aunt. That's your cousin, such and such. You know, yeah, he, he looks just like your dad. Come on in, Antoine. And they make their way in, and all, there's dozens and dozens and dozens of his family that he didn't know he had. Make their way through into the dining room and there at the dining table is a feast of food spread out and everybody's sitting around talking so loudly and just food everywhere and at the end of the table is old grandma who's got to be a hundred years old and he walks in the room and she knocks her hand on the table to get everyone's attention everyone gets quiet she motions Antoine over he makes it we never he's never seen these people in his life you know never seen any of these people He's overwhelmed by all this love, all this gratitude, all of this attention and affirmation. But Grandma calls him over, comes on over. She sticks a bony finger up, <laughs> beckons him down to her mouth, and he leans his head over. And she just says, welcome home. Welcome home. I gotta think that's exactly what God does for you and I. He's got a table prepared and a family prepared. And he wants to call sons and daughters home. And we, by God's grace, we want to be a worshiping family. We want to encounter him more and more. Jesus said that the time is coming when worshipers will worship him in spirit and in truth. He says, that's who the Father is looking for. You think that worship is limited here to this mountain, young lady, but no, the time is coming when we're going to worship him in spirit and in truth. That's the kind of people that the Father is looking for. So that's a challenge. We're going to wrap this up. That's a challenge. Brian, come on up. That's a challenge I'm putting before our church 
here at part one. Can we be a people? Can we be a family? We'll look a little bit more at family next week. But can we be a family who worships God in the way that he wants? Can we lay our side agendas, preferences, expectations, hurts, and hang-ups? Can we just set all that aside and allow him to teach us how to worship? That's what I want for myself. Would y'all stand up? Let's stand up together. I think there's some things that I have to unlearn. Some things that I need to unlearn about worship and relearn about it. But I believe in what God's called our church to be. It seems overwhelming. I look at those three things and I think, how in the world can we, this young church in a really big house, how can we possibly hope to do anything. We've talked about revival. We believe that God wants to bring revival to the bluegrass. We believe that we want to be a part of it. Well, how dare they? Who do they think they are? No, 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 no. Hey, come on. We want to take our place on the wall, though. If God can use the weak things, <laughs> here we are. But first, first, we become worshipers. Not just singers, not just every season. We learn to host the presence of God. We give attention. Is God here? What's he saying? What's he want to do? Who does he want to minister to? He's directing this. And we know that as we stay in that merry spirit of adoration, the time comes when he says, get up and go. Time to serve. Time to go. Time to minister. Time to evangelize. We know that. But we always come back to the feet. Always come back to the feet. Always come back to worship. Amen. I want to pray. We're going to worship. If, we can pray, if I can pray for you, any of, any of you, just in, in any kind of specific way for a healing need, I'll, I'll do that. Find a couple others that will pray with us. If you have any physical need that you need the Lord to heal you from, we believe that he heals. He'll do it today. Any other kind of need you might have, just come and we'll pray together for you and we'll worship and then... Um, yeah. we're going to also sign off with our online audience we bless you guys, we release you, we thank you if we can pray for you, post a comment send a message um, and we'll reach out to you, can't wait to see your faces again, alright all right. Betsy you want to come on up I'll let you share something and then I'll pray for us alright